Well, welcome to what is episode number 100 of Solving the Financial Puzzle. That's right. We've been doing this now for just under two years, Walter and I. And you might be wondering, where's Walter? Well, Walter feels I am so good at this that I don't need him anymore. <laughs> Actually, he and I do a second podcast. It's a different topic, different audience, etc. And it's a lot of time, a lot of work. So we talked for a while and I said, yeah, no, listen, I'm comfortable. I can definitely handle this on my own. And But I'll be interested to hear what your thoughts are. If you think at some point we need to get them back, we will. That's not a problem at all. But I want to thank you all for listening in today. If you haven't been listening to us for a while, I'll be more than happy to send you all of the past 99 episodes. But no, seriously, though, um, we, we enjoy doing this podcast, and I'm very appreciative of the feedback that I get from a lot of you. So with that in mind, what I'm going to do in today, which is the 100th episode, is we're going to take questions from you, the listener. If you ever go to our company website, which you can access by going to quizdan.com, uh, there's a button on there that you can press called Quiz Dan, and you can ask me just about any financial-related question that you want. And so we're going to do that today. Today, this is all going to be about you. We're going to talk about what you want to talk about, and I'll give you some, some thoughts and ideas. So we're going to start off first with Alan. Alan lives in Mason, Ohio. And he says, I'm hesitant to pay off my house because I don't have many other tax deductions at this point. But I have $100,000 in the bank, and I only owe $25,000 on the house. So it's really tempting to just, to just pay it off. What are your thoughts? All right, well, first of all, Alan... When you have a mortgage, the only thing that you can deduct from your income tax, for your income taxes, is the interest that you're paying on the debt. Well, if you have a $25,000 mortgage, and I'm assuming you probably have a three or 4% interest rate, that's not a lot of money. You're probably paying no more than $1,000 a year of interest. So that's not saving you a ton of money when it comes to tax time. I don't know what your marginal bracket is, but you know that might only be saving you a couple hundred bucks a year. You might find that if you had you know invested that money, you could do better. So I think clearly you're at the point now where paying off the house might make sense. If that gives you some psychological peace of mind, by all means, do it. You know I'm kind of in agreement with Dave Ramsey that the new status symbol should not be the Mercedes in the driveway; it should be the hate the paid-off house that that should be the status symbol. So congratulations, you're very close to getting there, and in fact, you could be there. And yeah, I don't really don't see any reason why you should pay any interest at this point. Go ahead, retire the home. Now, you're still gonna be able to deduct your property taxes. So even though you're giving up a little bit of a deduction, not much, by paying it off, I assure you, I'm sure your property taxes are far more than the $1,000 interest that, you're, that you could be deducting as well. So yeah, go for it. Uh, just I want to keep you know something in mind. The real estate community, the, the realtors, have done this great job of trying to convince Americans that owning a house is the key to growing your wealth. It's not. I mean, if you've ever had a mortgage, take a look at how much interest you're going to pay by the time you pay off that debt. It's substantially higher than the purchase price of your house. But people fail to think about that. Or factor in all of the home improvement costs that you're going to make and the property taxes that you're going to pay, the maintenance, cutting your grass, all that. Owning a house is not the key to growing your wealth for 
probably 99% of all Americans. There are a few exceptions. There are a few exceptions market-wise out there. But living here in Ohio, no, doubtful. Now, I'm not against home ownership, but we usually buy a home for the lifestyle that it affords us. Don't think of it as the way to, to make money. So, Alan, my advice is not only should you go ahead and pay that house off, go have a party. Have a mortgage burning party where everybody comes over and you celebrate the fact that you are hopefully truly debt free. I'm assuming you have no other debts. If you have other debts, then clearly you're going to want to tackle those as well. But if this means that you're completely debt free, well, go for it, my friend. I think that's. Uh, I think that's fabulous. All right, Tracy, who lives in downtown. I hope you like living downtown, Tracy. I, I love downtown Cincinnati. If you live in the Cincinnati area and you don't make it a point to get downtown at least once a month, you know, if you're living out in the suburbs, like I do, I live in Loveland, uh, you're really missing out on something, people. It's a fabulous downtown area, and uh, it just gets better all the time. The, the changes that have occurred, the renovation that it's occurred. I mean, if you go now to the, over the Rhine area, south of Liberty Avenue, Streets like Elm and Vine and Race are just full of great restaurants and parks, and it's just just fabulous what they've done there. So credit to the city leaders who put that in place, cleaned up Washington Park. It's, it's really fabulous. So, Tracy, I'm hoping you're enjoying it down there. And she's asking, Tracy says, I make too much money to contribute to a Roth or a traditional IRA. After I max out my 401k, where else am I supposed to save money for retirement? Great question. First of all, I want to clarify a few things, Tracy. Number one, you can contribute money to a traditional IRA if you're working, no matter how much money you earn. The issue here is whether or not you can deduct those contributions, if you can deduct them from your income taxes. But you can always put money in an IRA, and you can get tax-deferred growth on that money that has no earnings limits to it. And in fact, if you are a high earner, but your employer does not have a retirement plan, then you can still deduct your contributions to a traditional IRA. So a little bit of misnomer there, misunderstanding a lot of people have about it. Now, the Roth IRA, you're right. The idea behind the Roth IRA is you're putting in after tax, the money will grow tax deferred, and you can later pull it out tax-free. There is an earnings limit on that. However, there's a way that you can put money into a Roth even if you make a million dollars a year. And the way that you do that is by first putting the money into a traditional IRA, which has no earnings limit, and then converting it to a Roth IRA. So you could put money into a traditional IRA on a Monday. You could convert it on a Tuesday. And assuming the money didn't grow at all, well, you could do that completely tax-free. Now, if you have other IRA accounts, it's much more complicated than that. And, and so I'm assuming you have no other accounts, that all your money's sitting in your 401k. But clearly, that's a vehicle that you could use as well. You could obviously set up a brokerage account and, and have the money in your name. Uh, you will get taxed on the realized gains and interest you receive over the course of the year. But, you know, there's no rule that says that all of your retirement savings have to be in tax-deferred accounts. In fact, I think that's part of the problem is we, we've gotten so caught up in that that we keep kicking the tax can down the road and we assume tax rates will be lower in the future, but what if they're not? You have to be mindful of that. In fact, I would encourage anybody who's got most of their money sitting in their 401k plan to get a copy of our Retirement Rescue Toolkit because in there I go into the fact that if that is the case, if all your money's sitting in a 401k, it's essentially a ticking tax time bomb. And you need to start taking steps now so that you can have a tax-free retirement. Because what if tax rates go up in the future? I, I know the current administration wants them to go down, but 
Right now, we can't get anything done there. And that's the current administration. The next administration can have a completely different outlook on things. Okay, Phil. Phil, who lives in Covington. No matter what I do, I can't seem to get my wife engaged in her financial planning. Is that okay? Or do I need to figure out a way to get her involved? Well, no, ignorance is never okay. But I will tell you, Phil, I work with lots of couples. And almost every case, there's one member of the family who's totally into the finances, and there's another one who's not. That's okay. That's fine. But it is important that you be educated, that you at least know what you have and you understand the plan that's in place. And if there is no plan, which is usually the case, then uh, that needs to be rectified. That needs to be fixed. I think that there's a number of ways you can tackle that. If you're working with somebody, if you're working with a financial advisor, it's important that that financial advisor provide a series of ongoing education for both you and your spouse so that these concepts that some people view as being complicated are much better understood. I think and for many people, it's not that they're apathetic. They're just maybe overwhelmed by the process, and there's no reason for that. If you're working with an advisor, that advisor's job is to simplify the process for you so that's quite clear as to what is going on and why he or she are making the recommendations that you're making. So please, as a couple, you owe it to each other to everybody be knowledgeable. You don't have to be an expert. But you need to understand what the plan says and what you're doing. Someday there's only going to be one of you. And if it's your spouse and she doesn't have an interest in it, well, there has to be a contingency plan in place to address just that issue. Okay? Great questions, everybody. Keep the questions coming. Go to quizdan.com. Click on the button there that says Quiz Dan. Submit your questions. If I don't play them on the podcast, I will definitely email you back. So one way or another, you will get your questions answered. But I appreciate those of you who've taken the time to do that. Until next week's show, I'm Dan Capril, and thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.